Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. I am Tom Roberts as well as every single week. On today's show we interviewed Tricky or I should say I interviewed Tricky from PCW Professional Championship Wrestling. And he's a professional wrestler, obviously. Uh, I go into why I chose to interview a professional wrestler rather than a heavy metal musician. Like I have literally every single other episode of the show. Uh, It's a pretty good show. It's uh, got his interview, which is actually pretty good. No matter what you like, no matter who you are, stick around. Trust me. When I say I, it's a great interview, I wouldn't release it if it wasn't. Uh, we talk about everything. We relate how music is related to professional wrestling either this week or next week. Because it is two parts. He is coming back to do an interview for next week's show. Uh, we go into a lot more. We talk about the 2016 Soundwave lineup. If you're a uh, supporter of this show, you know I released episode 25.5 on Friday last week. Uh, Second episode for that week. But it is in no reason why this one is delayed. I re-recorded the opener uh, because it was delayed so far. Uh, Yeah, but for now, what do you say we kick off the show? Thank you for sticking around and listening to the rest of the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. This is episode 26, and this week I am interviewing Tricky, part one of a two-parter. He is coming back to do the second part of the interview, and will be released next week. Uh, The reason why I chose to interview a professional wrestler rather than a heavy metal musician like I always do is because pretty much it interests me and I see a lot of similarities between wrestling and being a musician or the music world. Uh, And we go into it a bit during during the interview so I can't remember whether it's this week or next week and you'll find out when you listen a bit further. But it was a very good interview, and he's very he's very practiced at it. Let me say that uh, he runs his own podcast through his YouTube channel over uh, TrickyTube uh, YouTube forward slash TrickyTube. I think it is T R I K K I Tube, and uh, I'll have to double check that. But if I'm wrong, I will post. Either way, I'm going to post. The link to it on the Full Metal Lockdown Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Full Metal Lockdown. Uh, you can check it out there. Um, also, I wanted to uh, go into something that... Oh, I'm not sure if it dropped on the same day as Soundway 2016, but uh, certainly close to it. And it was brought to my attention on the same day as... Soundwave, and uh, that is the Hellfest lineup. If you don't know what Hellfest is, Hellfest is a concert in uh, in France, 
and it's in June next year. And uh, the headliners are Ramshine and Black Sabbath. Now, uh, I don't know whether it's three days of the festival. It will, yeah, 17th, 18th, 19th. There are 20 bands to be announced. So far, they've announced uh, Ramstein, Black Sabbath, Korn, Megadeth, Ghost, Slayer, Bring Me the Horizon, The Offspring, Volbeat, Dropkick Murphys, Bullet for My Valentine, Disturbed, Gojira, Within Temptation, King Diamond, Twisted Sister, Foreigner, Anthrax, Amonomath, Blind Guardian, 6AM, Joe Satriani, Glenn Hughes, Hatebreed, uh, Turbo and Grow, Mass, Mass Hysteria, Hailstorm, Le- sorry, I'm reading off my phone and I'm shaking at the same time, uh, Lay Ball, Enrage, No One Is Innocent, Audrey Horn, Dragon Force, Delane, The Amity Affliction, Orphan Land, uh, Tremonti, Shine Down, August Burns Red, Bury Tomorrow, They Art Is Murder. If you haven't listened to the episode with Andy, go back and listen to it. So They Art Is Murder from Australia on there. Uh, yeah, the interview with Andy is very good. Go back and listen to it. Uh, the Shrine, uh, Artemis and Nightmare. Then they've also got Testament, Overkill, Napalm Death, Decide, Dark Funeral, a bath, a sacred Reich, terrorizer, uh, agoraphobic nosebleed, entombed AD, uh, paradise lost, catatonia, grand magnus, uh, court plani, primordial, moon sorrow, enslaved, imperium, inquisition, uh, maruk, take. I can't read that properly. Sorry, it's a uh, pixelated picture as well. I've set myself up for failure. Uh, Campar, Asphyx, Vader, Cattle Decapitation, mm. Insomnium, uh, Entrails, uh, is it Fallujah, The Skull, Havoc, Sadist, Flesh God Apocalypse, uh, sorry, the writing is getting really small. I find myself getting closer to my phone. Uh, <laughs> that, by the way, it's on my phone. I don't know if I mentioned that. Uh, Grushin, Sofolo, uh, I'll go back to the big writing now. Refuse, Converge, Sick of It All, Down, Melvin's Rival Son, Fu Manchu, Hamano, Goat Snake, Cadaver, uh, Velatat, Earth, Vision of Disorder, Kelsey, Architects, Walls of Jericho, Heaven Shall Burn, Caliban, Toy Dolls, UK Subs, Discharge, and then it's back to small writing. So, pretty much damn, uh, Disturbed, we're like number four on the second day, and that is like damn. Uh, yeah, that's got to overshadow the sound wave a little bit. 
I mean, the Soundwave headliner is below uh, one, two, two of the bands that they're playing alongside of at the Soundwave Festival, uh, which I brought for my Valentine and Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting, although AJ seems to do that quite a bit, uh, put bands higher up uh, when he prefers them. Um, yeah, that's interesting. We're going to go through the Soundwave lineup in a bit later on in the show in no way correlation to the Hellfest lineup. I don't know what tickets cost to this, but uh, you have to get over to France in uh, Cloison to go to it, Cloison in France. Um, yeah, I would go there to see Twisted Sister. Almost. I, I uh, <laughs> we're not going to take it. It was an anthem of mine when I was younger. But, uh, yeah, that aside, I uh, have a bit of news. I uh, In about three weeks, there won't be an episode. Maybe four weeks, there won't be an episode either. Uh, I might be taking a couple of weeks off or more. Uh I will try and get an episode out right before it goes down, but I am having major uh, mouth surgery. It's I'm having my wisdom teeth removed, believe it or not. And for most people, that's not major. For most people. For me, I'm fucking unique. You see, what's happening is uh, my wisdom tooth teeth aren't going up or at a slight angle. They're going perfectly 9 degrees horizontal into my other teeth to the point where I had perfectly straight teeth. Dentists thought that I had braces if it wasn't for the fact that they knew I didn't because they didn't have the scars. But they thought I had braces or the marks on my teeth, whatever. Uh, they said something along those lines. They were that straight. My wisdom teeth have impacted them that badly that they're now crooked as all fuck. I look like the dirty son of a hillbilly and his cousin's offspring. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's brutal. And uh, I found out through uh, a CT scan that it's a new version of a CT scan where the machine went around my head and I could feel the radiation from the beam because it got warmer in lines as it went around my head. Sorry, I just hit the mic because I'm actually, I just did it again. I'm doing the uh, motion around my head that the CD machine was doing. But I could feel the warmth going through my head. And they downstairs in the CD uh, place where I was getting the CT scan, uh they were doing renovations. It was an old private hospital. And they were ripping up the floor with the bobcat. And the building shook. And they thought that I might have to sit there again. But the technician running the test. Didn't want me to do it again. Because she believed that there was too already too much radiation being pushed through my head. It turns out it was fine. But it did reveal something. Something interesting. Um, the root of my left wisdom tooth, actually, the root of my bottom two wisdom teeth are both curled, like uh, 
they look like ram's horns. All four roots look like ram's horns. But my left one is wrapped around a nerve. Uh, that nerve controls my face. So if they were just to pull out the tooth and bring out the nerve with it instead of carefully extracting it, it would kill my face. Literally kill it. I would no longer have use of my jaw at all. There goes everything I've ever done. I can never do it ever again. I couldn't do music. Sorry. I couldn't do music. I couldn't do podcasting. I couldn't do anything. And uh, so what they've got to do is, is pretty gnarly. They've got to go in through the bottom of my jaw and do an incision about an inch long, maybe a bit longer. And they've got to take out the uh, back portion of my jaw, like actually remove a portion of my jaw. And then they've got to go up from underneath so they can get to it. Then they've got to chip away the root of the tooth. Then uh, they've got to put in, I think it's medical grade titanium or something like that. Same thing that's in my feet, actually, uh, to create a new steel jaw. And then um, they've got to go in through the top to get the rest of the tooth. Then they're going to go go in and see if the right one needs a bottom, um, them to go in through the bottom again or not. And if it doesn't, and I'm praying it doesn't, they're going to go in through the top and remove the tooth. Same thing with the other two, the top two. They're just going to go through the mouth and pull them out. Uh, so yeah, in about two or three weeks, the 25th is the date of the surgery that I will be, it is at 6am, so I will be heading up the night before, and then I have to be admitted for at least one to two days after the surgery, uh, depending on how I'm going, and then yeah, I've got to drive home, so it's going to be interesting, but I won't be talking, I won't be eating, I won't be doing much for at least a couple of weeks after that surgery. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the show has to go back on a very, very, very small break. I'm not going to call it a hiatus because uh, hiatus is a lot longer and it's indefinite when you're going to return. So, yeah, if I don't return, I will announce it on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Full Metal Lockdown or... I'll announce on the Twitter at the FML podcast on Twitter. And yeah, if I uh, am coming back, you'll know it. I'll have a show released a couple of weeks later with an interview that I did before uh, the break, hopefully. Anyway, uh, continuing on right now, we have uh, the return of the Fulmer Lockdown podcast. Sorry, the return of the Full Metal Lockdown podcast band of the week. And this week's band of the week has been a band of the week before. Yeah, that's right. They have done it before. Uh, This week's band of the week is Southeast Desert Metal because they they have a new video out. uh, a, A video for Eagle. Uh, is being chosen for as Rage's Wild One in the of the week. Uh, they uh, have a bunch of new promo photos available on their website, but on their Facebook page, 
and they have become reactivated. If you don't know who they are, go to facebook.com forward slash desert metal. Uh, D-E-S-E-I-T-M-E-T-A-L. Uh, it's one T in metal. Uh, sorry, I've got reflux. But uh, yeah, they're very cool. They are, go check them out. They've got a new CD out on iTunes at the moment. They've been together since apparently October 2015. They've been together a lot longer than that. But the new album came out. I'm guessing around then. Uh, yeah. They're a five piece. All from uh, Santa, Santa Teresa. Wherever that is. I think it's in the Northern Territory. So yeah. Go check them out. The Southeast Desert Metal. Uh, the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast Band of the Week. <laughs> Right now on the show, we're going to be talking about the Soundwave 2016 lineup and uh, the pros and cons of it, pretty much. And Actually, no. If you want to listen to the pros and cons of it, go back and listen to episode 25.5. It was only released to the subscribers of the show. It wasn't released on Twitter or Facebook. It was released by the South Coast Metalheads because they were their special guests. Where we ran through the pod, uh, on the podcast, we ran through the lineup just after it was announced, and uh, they seemed to not know anybody on the lineup. But uh, starting at the bottom, you know, I'm just going to say whether I know them or I don't know them. I'm not going to give the pros and cons of each band and all that stuff. And I actually think it's a pretty solid lineup, but it's not the biggest. It's certainly not their best lineup, but it is a pretty solid lineup. For anybody who out there who's saying, oh, fuck that, it's shit, go do it. Seriously, go do it. Go put together a festival lineup and pay for it. Go on, go do it. See? Where's yours? Shut the fuck up. Anyway, uh, starting at the bottom, we have Moose Blood. I uh, honestly have never heard of them. Then we have uh, Devil You Know. And I know this band quite well. In fact, that one of their songs is being played on the show this week. Uh, and we only ever play one show, one song a week if we're lucky. Uh, Lordy is next. I know them. They're one Eurovision. Failure. I know them. They're a three-piece band from, I think it's LA. Friends or Rom. Nah, don't know them. I'm joking. Yes, I know them. I've worked with them. I've met the doctor several times. He signed my broken leg once. Uh, sign the cast. Uh, nothing but thieves. Don't know them. Sorry to say, don't know them. Uh, thank you, Roy, on this celebration. I uh, don't know them. Uh, apparently, there's something to do with uh, with uh, my Chemical Romance, but I was never a big big uh, MCR fan. Uh, L Seven. Yeah, they were an old chick rock group from when I was a little kid, I remember them, uh, I know of them, I don't know them very well, they haven't been on my radar for a lot of years, so to speak, uh, Dead Letter Circus, know them very well, got all their albums, very good Brisbane prog band, 
Uh, probably the best band in Australia doing that genre outside of Carnival. Maybe. Kind of. Anyway, uh, there are a lot of contenders in that genre. Yeah, anyway, uh, next up we have the Sydney Boys North Lane. Uh, in the interview, not interview, but the breakdown with Sarkar's Metalheads, I said that I don't care that they're on the lineup. Uh, let me clarify that, and I did clarify it in the show. Uh, I don't care that they're on the lineup because I've seen them so much, as in uh, they're not a band that I'm going to go out of my way to see. It's good for them that they got on the bill, and I'm glad for them that they got on the bill, but at the same time, I don't really care. Uh, next up, uh, Soulfly. Obviously, if you're a metalhead and you don't know who Soulfly are, go back and get your license renewed. Uh, Hatebreed, once again, you should know who Hatebreed are. Metal Allegiance, once again, you should know who Metal Allegiance are. Uh, Refused, I uh, know who they are. They're pretty good uh, punk, would you call them? Anyway, uh, Public Enemy, seriously. Yeah, boy! Uh, that that was, believe it or not, that was my Flavor Flav impression. It was fucking sweet. I could get his job if I wasn't a white crippled guy. Anyway, I can say that you can't. Uh, kind of the M word for... Oh, I shouldn't really say that. But anyway, you get my drift. Uh, Bullet for my Valentine. I know them. No effects. I know them. Deftones, I know them. The Prodigy, I know them. Bring Me the Horizon, I know them. Disturbed. Why did I say that with an accent? Disturbed. I know them. So, let me count how many I actually know on this lineup. Sorry, a shorter list. Let me count who I don't know on this lineup. For everybody that is complaining that I don't know half the bands on the fucking thing. Um, let me see. One... Two, three. There you go. Three bands on an entire fucking lineup. That's all. Seriously, you've got everybody these days has access to the internet. Whether it's not at home, whether it's at library, library. Uh, every computer has access to YouTube. If you don't know who the fucking band is, go to YouTube. Seriously, if you can't do it at home or at work uh, or at the library, your phone, most phones these days, have access to YouTube. Go look them up. I'm looking up Moose Blood. I'm looking at Nothing But Thieves. And I'm looking up Frankie Rowe and The Celebration. Well, the only three bands in that entire lineup that I don't know. And I'm going to look them up rather than bitching about them publicly. Because seriously, like I said before, you, you fucking do it. I've organized shows before. In fact, I organized a show, a monthly heavy metal, punk, and hardcore show called Pitted in Benton's Ray every month. And like, it's hard enough just doing that with four to five bands at once a month, let alone 30 to 40 bands once a year for a festival with international touring act. Like I said, you go fucking do it. I've done a festival before. It's not a fucking cakewalk. I there were 
in the four days leading up to the festival that I ran, it ran for four years. In the four days that I helped run, I didn't sleep for longer than two hours running into every single day of that festival. For the four days running up to it. Two hours combined. I was running on two hours sleep on four days. That is fucking insane. Seriously. Uh, like I said, you do it. You want to complain about it, you do it. it yeah, sorry. That, it shits me off when I see people complaining about it on Facebook. Or on Twitter. Or whatever social media they're on. They're keyboard warriors. But once again, um, if you don't like the lineup, or if you don't know anyone in the lineup, don't fucking go. It's as simple as that. It's as easy as that. Seriously. But if you're open to new experiences, and actually open to finding new music to like, then go. Music Lab might be the best band you've ever fucking seen. L7, who I know, but a lot of younger people don't know. They might be the best fucking band you've ever seen. Frankie Ron, the collaboration, celebration, whatever the fuck it is. Might be the best fucking band you've ever seen. Nothing But Thieves might be the best band you've ever fucking seen. Hell... Some of the upper bands, No Effects, Disturbed, Bullet from a Valentine, Public Enemy, Refused. They might be the best fucking band you've ever seen. So why not give it a go? Seriously. Why not give it a go? Just quit complaining about it and just give it a chance. You fucking... Uh, sorry, it gets on my nerves, especially when I see people... Complaining about it with no experience and no knowledge of the music industry at all. And yeah, sorry, it gets on my nerves. Anyway, uh, on a more, this, let's stop my little rant about people but on social media going stupid behind the keyboards because they're fucking keyboard warrior cowards. Anyway, um, let's talk about uh, some TV shows. Let's pick it up a little bit, shall we? Let's talk about TV shows. Uh, actually, before we go into TV shows, I just want to say with the sound lineup, there was one band I was really praying for that were on that lineup, but they weren't. And you know what I did? I went, oh, okay. Well, hopefully next year. I didn't get on Twitter and go, hey, AJ, where the fuck are Fuzzy? Dude, you fucking ruined it. You fucking idiot. I didn't do that. I went, oh, hopefully they're available next year. And then I moved on with my day. Know why? Because there are more important things as to whether a can obscure American Canadian band are playing at the heavy metal festival that I want to go to. There are more important things. Oops. Like taking my medication on time or turning my alarm off when I'm trying to do a fucking podcast. Uh, I listened to another podcast called The Stone Cold Steve Austin Show. Uh, Steve Austin Show. And I also listened to Steve Austin Show Unleashed. And he says when your phone goes off in the middle of a production or someone interrupts you in the middle of a production, you owe them a beer. So in my case, I don't drink. So I everybody a can of Coke. And if you don't drink Coke and you drink Diet Coke, 
when you're like my wife, I will get you a can of Diet Coke to be nice. But if you drink zero or life, you can go get fucked. Anyway, uh, continue on to TV shows. I wanted to talk about uh, TV shows. The way that since uh, Sons of Anarchy, uh, Breaking Bad and Dexter are finished, I have nothing to fucking watch. I watch uh, The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, they were getting boring for a while. The Walking Dead was getting boring for a while. Same fucking thing. Uh, main character dies, they lose where they are. Main character dies, they lose where they are. They find a new place. Then the main character dies. Then they lose where they are. Then they find a new place. Then the main character dies. Then they lose where they are. Then they find a new place. Sorry, it was getting repetitive just like that. And uh, and there were large gaps in anything happening. There were just a lot of filler episodes. The current season, they've shaken it up a bit. Uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers away because it is still going on. And uh, yeah, but it is picking up a bit. Fear the Walking Dead, uh, which is its spin-off series. It's based in LA instead of being based in Atlanta. It's uh, it's actually really, really good. Uh, all, I think, seven episodes of Fear the Walking Dead are available at the moment. Uh, and I have have aired and I watched all seven when they aired and it was great actually it was it was better than the original almost almost it's still got a it was different to the original is better way of putting it uh but yeah I don't watch uh Game of Thrones I tried to get into the first season but all I seen was tits and incest and it just never really uh, interested me. I don't mind some of the medieval things, but uh, in fact, I can get into most medieval things. But for some reason, it never really interested me very much. Uh, but yeah, hopefully something cool comes out soon. I'm getting into Narcos on Netflix. Uh, thankfully, Netflix has been released in Australia. Stan has been released on the PS3 and PS4, which is great because I'm starting to watch Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh, if you don't know the story of Ash, he uh, was in Evil Dead 1. I read the, uh, what is it, the Necrocomicon? Uh, the Book of the Dead. And uh, pretty much summoned evil. And uh, it killed all of his friends, I think. It's been a while since I watched Evil Dead 1. But Evil Dead 2 uh, killed his girlfriend. And then a bunch of archaeologists he killed. Because he listened to it on tape. It just so happened that he went to a cabin in the woods with his girlfriend. While they were driving away. And not having to decapitate his girlfriend. If I'm giving spoilers away. It was made in 1987. So get fucked. Uh, if you haven't seen it. It's your fault not mine. Uh, but I won't give spoilers away. To Ash vs Evil Dead. Because the series is still airing at the moment. Uh, in fact they've only had one episode. Uh, then. He ended up having to kill her. And decapitate her body. And then the evil got into his arm, 
then we have the chainsaw his arm off. I think this is the thing. And then uh he Jerry rigged it so the chainsaw became his new hand <laughs> from a garden shed in the middle of a forest. There was enough stuff there to not only uh cauterize his hand but to Jerry rig a apparatus to put a chainsaw on his arm. Yeah. That was interesting. Anyway, uh, the the archaeologist daughter's daughter turned up, and uh, and with a couple of locals, and the locals got killed, and the archaeologist's daughter ended up getting stabbed by Ash's hand, and then by the time she got stabbed, she summoned a wormhole to suck the evil back through. And the wormhole ended up sucking Ash through to 1830. Or no, sorry, 1380. Around then. Anyway, uh, medieval times. In the middle of the desert. Anyway, uh, that led to what is called Army of Darkness. Which is essentially Evil Dead 3. Uh, it led to him being the leader of the army versus the army of darkness and uh, he had to get back to his own time he took some drops ended up sleeping 700 years instead of 600 years to get back to his time and the the mold for that story is in Ash versus Evil Dead it starts in our time that's not really a spoiler alert but a doesn't explain how he got back to our time yet. Yet. It hasn't told us yet. So that's all. I don't know whether it will. I hope it will. I hope it will explain it. But it's not exactly meant to make sense. It's meant to be sci-fi. It's meant to be cool. It's meant to be the old school graphics with high stick figures that you know are frame by frame moved and all that stuff. But the cool thing is, Ash vs. Evil Dead is directed by Sam Raimi. If you don't know who Sam Raimi is, uh, Raimi is, uh, he directed all three of the original Evil Dead films. But he also did all three of the original Spider-Man films with Tobey Maguire. Uh, yeah, which is a very interesting jump from Evil Dead to, uh, Spider-Man. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm watching at the moment. Narcos is a very good show. That's over on Netflix. Astro Evil Dead is a very good show. I'm watching uh, The Walking Dead Season 6 at the moment. And yeah, but since Sons of Anarchy, uh, which is my favorite show of all time, went out, I kind of had this void. I'm looking forward to Mayans, which is the spin-off of Sons of Anarchy. And I'm looking forward to the Barcelona Executioner, which is the uh, new Kurt Sutter TV show. On Stan, I'm watching uh, The Shield back, uh, which is Kurt Sutter's show before Sons of Anarchy. And yeah, if you have any other shows or anything that you think I'll be interested in, hit me up on Twitter at the FML Podcast uh, or go to Facebook. Sorry, reflux of facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown or go to my email, send me an email, uh, full metal lockdown at gmail.com. It's F U L L M 
E T A L L O C K D O N D O W N. Sorry, I forgot how to fill it down. Anyway, at gmail.com. And yeah, I will reply. I've never not replied. Uh, yeah, inbox me on the web on uh, Facebook. I don't always reply to messages left to me on the wall. And I apologize for that. I forget that they're there. But if you inbox me, I will reply. Uh, yeah, same with Twitter. If you inbox me, I will reply. If you, if the message is wanted. If it's an abusive message, I will I'll reply, get fucked. Or give me your address. And then I'm going to turn off at your house and see if you'll send that to my face. And I don't doubt that because I have done it. As someone uh, a long time ago inboxed me and abused me. Not with the podcast but with something else. So I say give me your address. I'll turn up. You can say it to my face. They gave me their address expecting me not to turn up. I turned up and I was speechless. They had nothing to say. Anyway, I, that's when I learned some people are just fucking cowards. Can you tell that this week has a bit of a uh, pissed off theme? Yeah, keyboard warriors piss me off. Anyway, and I know quite a few of them. And a few of them are in bands that I really fucking hate. They think they're all good, but they're just shit. Anyway, uh, song of the week. We have a song of the week this week, and it's going to play right after the segment is finished. The song of the week is the cover of a, a classic song by the band Survivor. Uh, we, I got this in a promo email earlier this week. The band is playing at Salmo 2016. They're called The Devil You Know, or just Devil You Know, rather. Uh, the lead singer is Howard Jones. Uh, straight after the song finishes, we're going to bust straight into the into the uh, interview with Tricky from PCW Professional Championship Wrestling. Uh, he is a professional wrestler. And yeah, this is going to be uh, very interesting. After the song, we're going to be critiquing it. And yeah, it's not the greatest cover I've ever heard, but it is pretty good. Uh, this is Eye of the Tiger by the Devil You Know.
And that was Eye of the Tiger by W. No. And uh, that was obviously one of their members laughing at the at the cover of the song that was on the trail of the song. I thought I would go silent so you could all hear that. Right now we're going to have the interview with Tricky, the professional wrestler from PCW. Uh, at the start, my vocals in this interview are very, uh, how do I put it, hard to listen to almost. Uh, during the silent parts where I'm not speaking, I've cut it all out. I couldn't get rid of it because it was in the background of the recording. Everything I did, I've enhanced it or cut my vocals out completely. Uh, it's uh, like a uh, frequency noise from a mobile phone. Uh, my mobile phone, when we were recording the interview, was obviously either too close to my mic or too close to my Zoom H4N. Uh, you can hear it in the background while he's talking, but it's not as intense or as annoying. It does get quieter to the point where it almost cuts out later in the interview. Uh, I will try and rectify it next week. But yeah, here's my interview with Tricky, the professional wrestler. Right now on the line, I have Tricky from PCW Wrestling. Uh, that's like saying ATM machine. Uh, PCW, which stands for Professional Championship Wrestling. How are you, Tricky? Very well. This is Tricky, and it's an absolute pleasure to be here on the podcast. <laughs> the yeah, we've got a bit of a we've got a bit of an unusual start now, and, and, and maybe you might want to run us through as to why it's a little bit of an unusual start. Because we were talking for almost fifteen minutes, and then I realised right in the middle of one of your sentences, I went, "Oh shit, the recorder's not on." Oh crap! Can it was you... a decent chat, but hey, guess what? We get take two, and and you know we've, we've had our rehearsal. And now we can get right into the real stuff. What do you reckon? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But all that stuff that we we're talking about, Emma, and about uh, the performance let's, center. Let's is... get into it, man. I'm excited. Let's get back into it. Fair enough. So uh, you actually have someone that you help train over at the WWE Performance Center at the moment. Uh, run us through how yeah. all that happened. Well, it was it was actually it was a re- it was a really cool opportunity because um, sort of you know mid. Mid-2014, I was approached by a wrestler named Pitbull, Pitbull Craig Cole, and he actually contacted me, and he said, hey, listen, um, we've got a guy, and his name is uh, Chris Atkins, and I know Chris. I know Chris. He's wrestled with us years ago, but um, 
I knew last I heard of Chris, he'd actually moved over to Los Angeles. And it's, it's actually there's quite a funny story there. We actually bumped into him once at Gold's Gym, Venice Beach, and, and he's a personal trainer there. So people contacts me sort of out of the blue and says, well, Chris is coming home. And he's not just coming home for no reason. He's actually got a tryout. And I said, okay, so what's happened there? And he said, well, he was at work at you know, Venice Beach, at Gold's Gym, the big famous one that Arnie, you know, the mecca. And um, this guy approaches him and says, hey, listen, um, you know, I think you've got to look. I'm, I'm from WWE, and I was wondering if you were interested in sort of trying out for WWE. And he thought, well, you know, this is Hollywood. This, is, this, this sounds a bit sus. So um, maybe maybe not, you know. And then he goes, no, no, no. He goes, listen, I'm, I'm fair income. I, I want to see if we can get you in contact with them. And it turned out to be 100% correct. This guy was a talent scout, and Chris happened to be in the right place at the right time. And Pipples contacted me, and he said, listen, Tricky, you know, I know all the I know all the schools out there. And he goes, the PCW Academy is the best. He goes, but I, I'm going to put all my bias or anything like that aside. But I genuinely believe the PCW Academy is the best for Chris. And um, what would you think about sort of helping him? And I said, it would be a pleasure. You know, I always got along with Chris. And Chris was always a really nice, humble guy. And so our, our team down there, you know, we've got Mark Cage, Anthony Dangerfield, Tom Philippe, Nash Archer. We all sort of bonded together a lot with Craig as well. And we've really worked on Chris Atkins and sort of brought him from the ground up. Chris had a couple of matches, nothing too special. He had a couple of matches in sort of the mid-2000s, but nothing that would make you think that would be a superstar. Um, and the one thing that was really good about Chris is he was very humble and he took orders well. And I guess the saying is he's coachable. And that's very important when it comes to professional wrestlers. And anyway, he went over. He did the tryout, and he was successful. He killed it. He, he did it with flying colours. And, um, you know, this guy, he's six foot four, six foot five, built like a tank. He's got the look, but the best part is he's humble, really humble. And um, it was a real privilege to train him. You know, now he's there. He's in Tampa, Florida, and he's at the Performance Centre. Wow. So it's awesome. That, that is awesome. Uh, in, the, in the unrecorded part, I actually asked you if he was... Uh, in uh, the new WWE Network series, Breaking Ground, because uh, in the article that I read, and this is a bit that I forgot to mention, it actually said that he was in the same class as ZZ and Sarah Lee and Josh and Patrick and Marta, or from Tough Enough, and uh, yep. they actually appear in Breaking Ground. Look, uh, I'm sure I'm sure he, he may appear over time or something like that, but my understanding is uh, he has just sort of checked into the Performance Centre only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, and, yeah, you know, I guess as far as Chris is concerned, he'll be paying his dues, he'll be working his ass off, and he'll be keeping his head down, his bum up, and, yeah, and, and, and hopefully, hopefully we see opportunities like breaking ground start to get created for Chris. Um, but until then, he's just got to work, and, and he's a hard worker, so he'll do very well. That's very good. I actually see a lot of similarities between the wrestling industry and the music industry as far as paying mm. dues. Like I, I'm obviously not a member of the uh, wrestling community, but I've been a fan since I was like about two, which is about 24 years. And I've uh, tried to immerse myself in it as much as I physically can. I'm, I'm physically unable to do much with it. But uh, as far as the music industry, you've got to start at that point where you load all the gear and you work the table for six hours, you mm -hmm. work the merch desk, you do you, runs you're, you're for right. the bands, and 
with a lot of what I've read or what I've seen or what I've heard about the wrestling industry. It's the same thing. You've got to work from the bottom and work your way up. Well, yeah, 100% spot on. Um, I've actually, I can relate completely to this because my brother, uh, he's nine years older than me, but he, he's a musician. And ever since I was a little kid, growing up, you know, when he started getting into music around 14, 15 years old, and he was doing that. He was paying the dues. Um, he was, he was you know, working the venue. He was setting up, learning sound, learning audio, um, learning how to tune guitars, learning how to tune pianos, doing all those kind of things. He was paying his dues. And the wrestling industry, very similar. You know, um, you, you've, got, you've got to learn how to put up the ring. You've got to learn how to pull down the ring. You've got to be there. You help out in any way, shape, or form, whether it comes to merchandise stand or whether it comes to just being a moral supporter, you know, getting the crowd going when the crowd needs to get up. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's the, the wrestling industry, and I can see the music industry definitely go hand in hand because at the end of the day, to a certain extent, wrestlers are kind of like rock stars. Yeah. They go out on stage, they perform, to crowds that, that they get white camera action. Yeah. You know, and, and, and music is very similar. It, so, um, it's funny, I actually uh, have the same comparison. I compare frontmen to wrestlers in the fact that in the bit where the match isn't happening or the song's not happening, they've got to still entertain the crowd with their promo work. Frontmen oh, have to be able to, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I said to young musicians that I uh, mentor. I'm like, watch wrestling, watch TNA, watch WWE, what, if you can get online, watch uh, New Japan, even though you can't understand what they're saying. <laughs> watch but all that stuff. Get a gimmick, man. That's yeah, what it's exactly. about. Get a gimmick because, because okay, I'm a paying spectator. If I want to go, okay, if, say, for example, I'll compare it to music for a second. If, um, if I want to go along and um, I just want to watch live music, you know, and I don't know anyone there, how, how am I going to know at the end of the night, right, so I've started in, I don't know anyone on the show. Mm -hmm. I walk in, I sit down, and I'm watching band after band after band after band play. Now, I don't know any of them, but what's going to make me stand up at the end of the night and say, oh, I want to go shake that guy's hand? Dude, the way he played that guitar, he shredded it. And not only that, he, he did something that blew me away. You know, at the end of the night, I want to go up, I just want to shake that guy's hand and say, dude, you did an awesome job, and then walk away and just let him be. Wrestling's very similar. Yeah. You know, how are you going to be the person that's going to stand out? Are you going to have different colours? Are you going to yell and scream at the crowd? Or are you going to be just a little bit different? Something's going to connect with them on a different wavelength. You've got to have a gimmick. Yeah. And for the people out there who, because like, like Tricky said a bit earlier on the show, in the interview, this is actually a music podcast. I know a few of the... Uh, of the of the terms the lingo if you will but uh for everybody out there who has no freaking idea <laughs> sorry uh, but uh, the, the, can you explain what a gimmick talk. is um well I look i think i think the music industry is pretty aware of what a gimmick is as well you know you say kiss is a gimmick yeah um you know for jewish guys to go up on stage and paint their faces and whether it's because of one reason or another they go out there They've got a gimmick, and it is space. You know, they've got yeah. all these different, you know, all these different things. You've got the demon, the space child. It's all these these things. But you've got to have something that's going to connect to people. Um, look at look at Motley Crue, their gimmick, sex, drugs, rock and roll. You know, that's what they're selling. Yeah. Everything. So um, it's it's it, it, it depends, man. It just depends on what it is. But um, but yeah, you just got to find a rhythm. I genuinely believe that because. I've seen bands like um, just not not even that my through my brother. 
I've seen bands through like just locally. Really talented guys. And they go up. Oh, do you know what? Actually, here's a great example. You want to hear a great example? I went and saw Ailstorm in concert last year. Last year, I think it was, the year before. And now what's their gimmick? Pirates. Yeah. Right? They come out and they dress, you'd think, they're dressed like pirates. They, all their music, it's, it's, it's pirate metal. It's, it's some of the, the most awesome music you'll ever hear. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, they're shooting for a DVD. They're shooting for a DVD. This is going to be sick. They, we're getting it in Melbourne. Hi-Fi bar. Beautiful. Here we go. And the lead singer comes out with a cut-off sleeve T-shirt. <laughs> all the people in the crowd are dressed as pirates. Yet the leader of the pirates is honestly letting them down. Yeah. And I'm think and I'm thinking to myself, Ailstorm are gonna struggle to get to that next level because they're committed to it that they're not that committed to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I love Ailstorm. I absolutely love them. But I saw this and a part of me sort of went, Oh and then afterwards, I mean, I don't know if they have sound cut off or what, the crowd are there chanting, you know, you are a pirate. They want to hear the song, You Are a Pirate. And I understand you've got to leave them with a little bit of fuel in the tank. But this was going on through the whole concert. Play You Are a Pirate. End of the concert comes. They're still chanting it. He flashes them with his ass, walks off stage. The crowd pops. The crowd goes, yeah, okay, cool, that's funny. But seriously, play the song. Give them 10 seconds. Give them 10 seconds. You know, do what you want because the pirate is free. You are a pirate. Yeah, and then get into it and then just cut it off. And go, we played it. Thank you. Give them a taste. So next time they'll come back and they'll be like, oh, man, that was awesome. We want to hear the full song. That's a gimmick, you know. Yeah. They're selling a gimmick to people, and I felt like on that night, I didn't get. The, I got the music. The music's fantastic. They killed it. They killed it on stage. But I felt like I didn't get. I didn't get the gimmick I paid for. Whereas I go and see Kiss, they give you the full show. Yeah. I mean, they got the money. They got the money as well. But at the end of the day, they give you the full show. You know what you get when you end Metallica. Yeah. Oh man, you get you get punched in the face when you go to Metallica. <laughs> and yeah. uh, a band that's actually playing tonight, uh, ACDC. When you go see them, Angus Young's not dressed in a cut-off oh. shirt. He's dressed in the schoolboy uniform. He's like 60-something years be, old, yeah. and he's still dressed Dude, as he's the schoolboy. He's pushing school 70. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so tell me a bit about your history, especially in regards to wrestling. Uh, where did you train, yeah. and how old were you? And how long did it take you before you got to have your first match? Well, the, the first time I ever saw professional championship wrestling, that's where I still am today, PCW, um, I would have been I would have been 15 years old. And the first show I actually went to, it featured a wrestler called Mad Dog. And he did what at, at that point in time was just something nothing the local industry anyway has, has ever seen. He's climbed up this, my understanding was a 20-foot ladder. And he's jumped off this 20-foot ladder into the ring uh, to deliver an elbow drop. No tables, nothing like that. Jumped off, delivered this elbow drop. And it was one of the most spectacular things I'd ever seen. You know, I didn't realize until later when I sort of got in with wrestling a bit how hurt he actually got from that. But at the same time, that blew me away. You know, I was like, still remember it to this day. You know, I often ask people, what's your first, what's your first feeling when you see, you know, your, your local wrestling show? What's the first thing you remember? Well, as far as PCW is concerned, that's the first thing I remember. And it brings back fond memories because I went home that night going, Man, how do I got to get involved with this? I don't want to jump off the ladder. It can be for other people, but I just want to be involved. You know, and um, sort of sat on the number for a little bit. Went on to OzWrestling.com and sat on the number, and I'm going, oh, you know, I'm 
all right, I'll, I'll do it and talk to my parents. And they're like, okay, look, you know, if you want to do it, you can do it. And I don't think they thought it would you know, become for me what it, what it has. And I was 15, 16 years old and went down there. And the one thing I really noticed with uh, PCW wasn't just the fact that they cared about your safety and the ring and all that kind of stuff as far as your training goes, but uh, they were a really good community. Now, one of the things, one of the sayings I've actually heard is people have compared wrestling to kind of like church. What I mean by that is people go to church and they understand it and they love it. They'll talk the Bible, they'll talk Jesus, and they understand each other, whether it's outsiders who are like, I don't get it. I just don't understand it. Uh, you know, these people love it, but I don't understand it. I feel like wrestling's a little bit like that. Wrestling's a little bit like religion. You either get it or you don't. And I feel like to a certain extent, music's a bit that way as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm I'm actually like uh, walked into there and I'm, I'm loving it. However, I was a little kid, I was about 60 kilograms, and I was thinking, oh, I was just training. I was going down, I was, I was, I was paying my dues, I was going to the shows, and um, it got to a point where they said, all right, let's give me the first match. Because when you give a student their first match, it's a real good opportunity, not just for the coaches to look at you, but for the student to look at themselves and say, hey, is this something you actually want to do? So they gave me my first match, and um, they knew I was safe enough to perform, and they were happy with that. And I had the first match, and I didn't feel satisfied. I felt like, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be a main event classic, but I, I thought I thought I could have done better. And I said to him, listen, I'm just going to take a month off. I just want to think about it, and, and I'll come back. And I think when, when I said that to him, they thought, ah, oh, he's not going to come back. We see people come and go all the time. Well, in that month when I was gone, I thought, well, what would really be a good sort of position for me? And I thought, well, I heard him mention, you know, refereeing. You know, there'd be a spot for refereeing. So I thought, well, if I train and I referee, I can kind of perform in front of the crowd. And at the same time, so I'm getting the best of both worlds. And I could even get on the bigger shows. So anyway, I went back and they said, oh, you're back. And I'm like, yep, that's right. I told you I'm just taking a little bit of time off. And um, there was quite a bunch of new fresh faces. And some of them I'm still best friends with till today. Uh, and, and so anyway, I, I said to them, I want to be a referee. And they go, perfect. We need a referee. Turns out I was actually pretty good at it. And my idea that I had in my head kind of worked out because I got put on these big shows with all the all the stars. And I was only... 60, 65 kilograms, and in the background, here I am training. You know, I'm not getting matches, but that's fine because I'm training. I'm learning. Yeah. And I'm, I'm meeting all the people, and I'm getting to know them. They're getting to see, this guy's passionate. That's what they want to see. They're going, this guy is passionate, and he cares. So we'll pay a little bit more attention to him. And he's a nice kid as well. That's what I wanted to come across as. You know, no rubbish, and just, I love wrestling. And before I knew it, I had an opportunity to have my first proper match, and we actually kind of worked me being a referee into my first match. And um, from from then on, it was just sort of nonstop. And that was 16, well, 16, 17 years old, and I've just turned 30. So, man, it's uh, like half my life. Oh wow, that is yeah. that's a pretty awesome story. So you like literally spent all that time working as a referee, working around everyone, but everyone got to see you kind of in front of the uh, curtain, as they say. Well, 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 that's right. And the best part for me as well um, is when I went out to have my first match, you know, well, as, as far as like when it came to a bigger show, you know, I was doing some small shows in front of like, you know, three, four, 
20 people, stuff like that. Nothing major, just the student shows that they'd put on. They wouldn't promote the student shows. They'd just keep them sort of quiet. But it gave us good experience. But when it came to jumping up on the bigger shows, everyone was nervous. Oh, the crowd's massive. There's like 250, 300 out there. And I'm sitting there going, the crowd don't bother me because I referee, you know, and, and I'm, I'm used to the crowd. I just want to make sure I have the best match I can. Yeah. So I've fortunately always been in a position where I've never been phased by the crowd. The crowds have never phased me um, as far as like going out there and, and being sort of scared. You know, when it comes to my spots, that's a whole different story. But <laughs> as far as the, uh, the wrestling's concerned, yeah, I, um, no, I, I feel like a, it sort of it, it fires me up. I really I, I love it. I love wrestling. It's, it's, it's awesome. So who was your first match against? Yeah, okay, if, if you're talking about my very first match, the tag team, uh, believe it or not, it's this one guy, he actually went on to win the national championship uh, as he got older. His name is Danny Psycho. Uh, he was in the other corner, and I teamed with his brother called Flying Dynamite, and Danny Psycho's tag team partner was a kid, uh, Young Angus, coincidentally enough. It was, he was named after Angus Young. <laughs> his, um, he, his parents actually ran PCW, and he was Young Angus. His name's Harley, but... Um, but yeah, he was called Young Angus, and um, I was team of Flying Dynamite. And my first match, I was called Shattered Glass. And because um, they said to me, okay, you're on this week, what do you want to call yourself? And I'm like, oh, God, I have no idea. And they're like, well, what do you call yourself when you create a wrestler on video games? I'm like, Shattered Glass Shane. They're like, cool, you're Shattered Glass. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool, I'm Shattered Glass. And then I got it, I'm like, I thought it was really cool when I played them the video game, but yeah, it doesn't really flow. And I think that's one of the things I had to reassess as well. <laughs> so, on the other end of the spectral, spectrum, uh, who would your dream match be against? Like, out of any company, it could be uh, Japan, Australia, South Africa. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, yeah. And, and this is a funny story because here I am, John Cena's broken his nose, Rod Laver Arena. And so I, I put up a tweet and I say, it's okay, guys. All's resolved. John Cena's out. Tricky's in. Bring on Kevin Owens. And then, I kid you not, 20 seconds later, he blocks me. Blocks me on Twitter. Oh, I saw he that. Wants, Kevin Owens wants no piece of Tricky. Fact. <laughs> Fact. He blo- he's running. Running scared. He's good at doing that. But, oh, um, good. But, yep, yeah, you can't hear what you can't see. And, well, at this point in time, I can't see Kevin Owens. So, he's kind of played tricks on me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would actually be a pretty good match. Uh, Kevin Owens is one of the, bi- uh, one of the people who's ripping up faster than anyone else in the industry. Killing it, man. He's been doing it for years. Yeah. And that's what's real funny about, you know, Kevin Steen, as we know him on the indies, yeah. is that he is, he was tearing up for a long time. He was he was almost, to a certain extent, being ignored. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and, and that's what I found absolutely hilarious about being blocked is just the fact that, you know, I'm kind of, you know, to a certain extent, I've been, I've been doing the same thing, and then Kevin Owens blocks me, so that's why I want Kevin Owens. Here's <laughs> he, he, my choice. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of like uh, he he got so popular in the Indies, they could no longer keep him down. He was coming up whether they liked it or not. <laughs> well, that's true. And I guess, look, it, it's, it's the new direction of the WWE. Yeah. I think that's what people have to recognize is that there is a new direction to the WWE, and it's, um, it's NXT. Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, NXT has become so big that they've actually had to go, okay, we've outgrown our development System. So what, you know, PCW Slam, which is like, our, I guess you'd say our student shows, our younger wrestlers coming up through the ranks, our rookies, you know, 
PCW has a similar structure. We've always had a similar structure. It's called PCW Slam. And so when you're good enough to have a match, you'll have your match at PCW Slam. And from there, you know, you'll pay your dues. You'll hopefully win the Slam Championship, which is kind of like our equivalent of the NXT title. And then you might get an opportunity to be on, on, on the bigger shows, whether it be Roadville, whether it be Berwick, whether it be, you know, Warrnambool. And, um, and, and wrestle in front of those larger audiences, you know, those 300, 400 packed audiences or something like Warnable with a 1,000. Um, so with Slam, you know, that's our sort of our development system. But as far as NXT is concerned, they've gotten so large that they've actually had to go back to the indies. And we're talking there's a promotion underneath them now called Evolve. And they're going to be running a few of their guys through Evolve to get them ready for NXT, to get them ready so Evolve so, has been, is uh, kind of the underneath of NXT now. It, it, it's becoming a feeder. Yeah, oh, it's okay. becoming a feeder of talent. Yeah, and it, it, that... has been, it has been for a while, you know, I mean, when it was known as Dragon Gate USA, and um, yeah. you got the guy Gabe Sapolsky who runs everything. Yeah. That... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so they've always had a really good relationship. But they're becoming more of a feeder than ever, and it's more like we're just not lying about it anymore. Yeah. You know, we're we're not just trying to we're not trying to hide it. They're actually doing a great thing. They're saying let's promote the indies, let's see what new talent can you know hopefully come up. So it's um it's really cool, and and you know that this is the thing with PCW, as far as professional championship wrestling is concerned, um you look at the state of Australian wrestling, right? Where is it? It's non-existent. Yeah. To be honest, you walk down the street and ask anyone. Hey, do you know when the next Australian wrestling show is on? And they'll say, what, Mario Milano? Spirit Arena? Yeah, they'll, they'll tell you all about the, the old days of wrestling when it was popular. Yeah. But they couldn't tell you much about today. Yeah. And well, as far as PCW is concerned, the PCW Academy, we're going to be starting a revolution very soon, you know? And it, it's begun. To a certain extent, it has begun. And people are finding out about it. And the 400 that come along to the shows in Roseville, they're getting blown away, man, show after show. And it's only going to keep growing. You know, the, the talent, the talent pool is huge in Australia. WWE has only just figured it out. It's taken a long time. They've just yeah. figured it out, though. So, I mean, you know, I'm telling you now, man. I, I genuinely feel like um, PCW. It could just be the next big thing. Yeah. I mean, especially with people like uh, Murphy and and Emma uh, on the NXT lineup at the moment, it's well, becoming more and more popular over here. And that's right, we were talking about Chris Atkins before, but then you look at PCW again, also Fed, Murphy, Matt Silver, Emma, Tanil Taylor. You know, so they are people who started with PCW um, and then came up and ended up at NXT. So to a certain extent, PCW is already a feeder to the WWE. Yeah. It's great. It's uh, interesting that you mentioned Evolve before. It's funny that uh, Drew Galloway, known as Drew McIntyre in the WWE, Drew Galloway in TNA, he was the Evolve champion for a while there. I don't know if he still is, but uh, it's funny because WWE actually fired him, and then one of their <laughs> subsidiary companies made him their world that champion. Didn't, they didn't fire him; they future endeavored him. So let's get that right. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, but but I mean, as far as actually, I've got a funny story. Um, I, I trained down at OVW in Kentucky uh, with Daniel Swagger, and. Um, we when we first got there, our first days was two thousand seven. Uh, we got and it was Drew McIntyre's very first day. He he'd just been signed, moved over from Scotland, and he was a former soccer player. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, and he was actually he was apparently quite controversial in Scotland. He was he was initially he's a 
My understanding is he's meant to play for Celtic. Got drafted to Celtic, refused to play because he's a Rangers supporter. And um, caused a bit of a storm and then went, screw this, I'm doing wrestling. And was actually pretty good at it. So, uh, yeah, he, he was really cool, man. We were down there the first day with uh, Drew McIntyre. Um, and, 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 yeah, from there, like, we didn't expect him to sort of blow up the way he did. At one stage, he did blow up. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame that he didn't really get to that next level. But, um, but yeah, man, it's a, that's sort of a little funny Drew McIntyre story there for you. So you, when you're in wrestling in such a small community, you do cross paths with just about everyone at some point in time. So were you just training at OVW or did you have a developmental contract? Actually, it worked like this. At OVW, the way they did it is um, you basically let them know who you are and they'd say, okay, listen, you've got an opportunity here. We can, you can buy your contract. So you can only wrestle for us in Kentucky, but you have to buy your contract. And then you have to get licensed and say that I've got a contract with um, OVW uh, slash Derby City Wrestling because that was sort of like the underbrand as well. And um, me and Daniel Slater go, hell yeah, let's do it. And that was at the time when WWE was actually with OVW. It was their development territory. So FCW wasn't around. NXT definitely wasn't around. And, um, yeah, Daniel Swagger and I, we, we rocked up and, and, and we go, listen, we want to be trained by the best and we want to wrestle the best. And this is what we told was the place to be. And it was, man. We were around. Uh, like, I did a, a leg session with CM Punk. I'm at the gym and CM Punk walks in. And he was training. And fortunately, I was training with a guy called Seth Skyfire. And he comes up and he's like, hey, Shane, how you going? My name's Shane. And, um, and Punk goes, oh, you know him? He's like, yeah. He goes, oh, cool, cool. No worries. I'm, I'm Phil. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm Shane. And, um, yeah, we just, uh, he goes, hey, man, you want to jump in the leg session? Yeah, no worries. And it was little opportunities like that, crossing paths with someone like Sam Punk. He was the ECW champion at that stage, but no one could have thought the levels he could have blown up to. Yeah. You know, we were down there. Cody Rhodes was just going on on tour. He just said, you know, his last day there, he was talking about sort of all these his issues and the things that he had going on before he started, you know, and how he overcame adversity. Real inspirational speech. We had um, Michael Hayes come down and do a speech. So we were really around the creme de la creme of um, the best. And, uh, yeah, man, that was uh, 2007, OVW. And our first match, Daniel Swagger and I, we actually probably caught Pete to this, but it wasn't any of our doing. Uh, Rick Rogers, who is uh, was our coach, still I still call him one of my coaches. If you read his Twitter feed, um, Hustler, uh, I'm not sure which, what number it is. He's got a number. Anyway, he's Hustler. Rick Rogers. He um, he says to us, "All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna call your name. You're gonna be J and Arthur Rank. You're gonna be the Rank Brothers." And we go, "What are you talking about, Rip? Yes, you're gonna be the Rank Brothers because it sounds like Wank, and you're Aussie, so Wank it. That's all I know about Australia." Yeah, <laughs> we laughed. <laughs> and we laughed and we go, oh, yeah, go on, Rip. All right. And then Seth Tiller comes up and go, hey, man, you guys are the Rank Brothers. Look, is this, are you being for real? No, Rip's going around telling how he loves you guys and you're going to be the Rank Brothers, Jay and Arthur. And I'm like, I looked at Swagger, Swagger's like, dude, we've got to talk to Rip. We've got to talk to him right now. And we go, hey, Rip, can we just talk to you for a second? He's like, yeah, 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 come to the office, come to the office. We sit down in the office, we go, hey, Rip, um... I don't know how to tell you this, but yeah, we've kind of got these gimmicks in Australia that we do. I'm tricky, he's swagger. We do this thing called touch of class. It's a big deal from where we're from, but we're happy to modify it, but we really like to do this. And he turns around and he goes, well, you know, in, in all my time, 
you guys are the only two that have the balls to come up and actually tell me what you really want to do. So I'm all for it. Let's do it. And then we touch a class and just get our, you know, Australian Australian shtick over there. And um, it, it was really cool. And he, sa- he says to us, he goes, also, you guys are in the main event. And it's a television taping. What? Yeah, so we ended up wrestling for the tag titles in our very first match there. Um, and, and, yeah, man, it was, it, was, it was such a cool opportunity. I'm sure a lot of the, the roster wasn't too satisfied, these two young Aussie guys come in and sort of kind of being given an opportunity. But I think he was also testing us to, because the training performed really well. Yeah. And there was a lot of people there. And, and yeah, so that was, that was really cool. And uh, that's what I feel to this day, man. I, I, I often contact Rip and he contacts me back and uh, he's my sort of go-to guy for advice. Um, what that so sorry. So, so who were your opponents in their match, or were they just uh, another set of people there? No, no, they they were actually funny. Funny enough, one of them's moved to Melbourne. His name's Ali, and um, yeah, he's actually he's actually moved. He married a Melbourne girl, so oh, so he's out here. He's only just moved here. So I've been meaning to contact him, but yeah, um, I've, I've run into him once. But yeah, it's, that's a such a small world when you look at that. He ended up marrying a, a Melbourne girl and he moves here. Yeah. Uh, but they were doing like a, the only way I could describe it was like a Muhammad Hassan gimmick, the uh, Arab sort of, um, you know, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say terrorist gimmick, but it, it, was that, it had that type of a vibe. Um, and I know it didn't really sit well with a lot of people because Muhammad Hassan had just been pulled off TV, but they sort of stuck to their guns and said, no, we like this gimmick and it gets over with the audience. So, you know, I was like, okay, cool. And one of the, that's right, they were called the Insurgency. That's what they were called. And we're wrestling the Insurgency. We're two Aussies. And we're having this match and it's an awesome opportunity. But then something I would probably describe as like one of the biggest highlights of my entire career, a USA chant starts breaking out. USA, USA. Well, you've got these two guys who are playing Arab characters, you know, called the Insurgency. (laughs) And two Australians. And so I'm like, nah, I'm not missing this opportunity. USA! USA! I'm like, yes! This is really cool. So, um, yeah, I was an Australian, and um, they were cheering for me to win, but they were cheering USA. So you've got to respect the patriotism of the Americans. You should have turned around and started <laughs> chanting uh, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Well, yeah, I mean, the flip side of that is I only this year wrestled a guy called Andrew Titan. He's um, a big American. And uh, he, he was chanting, you know, USA, USA. And I turned around and I said, well, AUS, AUS. And we had the crowd going, AUS. <laughs> so I feel, like that's, I feel like that's a good counter to USA. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for those out there, who, a lot of you probably wouldn't know who these guys are, but Australian wrestling does work over in America. Just uh, Ron Miller and Larry O'Day, who were the Australians, the wrestling team, they were former FCW, oh, not FCW, Championship Wrestling Florida tag team champions. And they were tag team champions around Georgia as well and all around yep. America. Yeah, and you know, you're talking about the, those names. There's actually, if, if you are, uh, if you aren't sort of aware of the old wrestling, there's a great DVD out there you can get at JB Hi-Fi. It's called Rough, Tough, and Real. That's and it sort the of goes, Ron Miller yeah, DVD, it, isn't it? Talks it? About, that's right, Ron Miller, and it sort of talks about King Curtis, you know, Larry O'Day, Harley Race, Chris Arian, and of course the one and only Mario Milano. <laughs> and, and and even if you don't know anything about professional wrestling, 
And even if you somehow have been living under a rock and you don't know the name Mario Milano, well, go ask your parents if they grew up in Australia or go ask your grandparents if they grew up in Australia and say, hey, who's Mario Milano? And they will chew your ear off for about half an hour about the glory days of, of, of Australian wrestling TV and, and how there used to be a big you know, event for the family. So it, it really does show you yeah. how much of the history, not just you know, Melbourne, but Australia in general, has with, with wrestling. And again, professional championships, wrestling's goal, to, to get it back to where it's at, but bring it into the modern era. You know, and, and that, that's, that's our goal. And that company back then was called WCW uh, World Championship. WCW Australia. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, it actually did have a connection with Ted Turner's WCW in the fact that it was owned by Jim Barnett but, uh, and then later on owned by Vince McMahon, then sold to... Was it Jim Yeah, yeah I'm sure there's some... There's, yeah. there's links to everything. Like, yeah. like, it, it's in, like, again, you know, PCW's link to WWE is Emma... Murphy and Chris Atkins. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really is a small world, you know, and I'm sure for touring bands, um, you know, who's doing it, like, look at the Soundwave Festival. You know, if, if you're some little unknown, you know, Aussie band, like, <laughs> like, like let's take Bat Piss for example, you know. <laughs> look, at some, look at, like, a band like Bat Piss, and then all of a sudden they're rubbing shoulders with a headlining act like Metallica. Yeah. You know, and they're going, oh my God, we're on the same bill. It doesn't matter that we're down here and they're up there. We're on the same bill as Metallica. I don't care there's 50 other bands on this. This is incredible. This is so cool. We're in the same coding so, area as them. We can eat our lunch <laughs> next door kind of thing. Exactly. You know, and, and, and that's where the wrestling industry is very similar. Because you know, it, it's amazing the amount of times I've seen guys come through wrestling who have wrestled on the same card as an international person. Whether it be, like you said, you know, like a Drew Galloway or even a Colt Cabana, who I've wrestled, or Adam Pearce, um, who's a trainer at the Performance Centre. Yeah. Uh, they rub shoulders with these guys, and then it's almost like they're accomplished. They're, they're, and they didn't even wrestle, but they wrestled on the same card. And so then they're like, cool. I got to rub shoulders with Vest. I can happily leave now. You know, and there's some people that are satisfied with that. But then, um, you know, it, 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 that's cool. Yeah, but I'm sure for, for some of the industry as well, and music, they would kind of feel a little bit that, that way as well. Yeah. Even, hey, man, look at, look at a band like Jet. You know, when they were around, they were killing it. Or a band like Airborne, and, and they're killing it. When you get some of the small time, because they're still not, they're not mega, mega, mega. Well, I mean, Jet obviously got to huge, huge superstardom. Yeah. I mean, the band like Airborne, they're still going to be doing the small shows. But if you get put on the same bill as Airborne, you're going to be tripping out if you're a, if you're a small little band. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like my friends got uh, on the day put on the Soundwave lineup a couple of years ago, and uh, yep. and to replace Jason Newstead's band, uh, former former Metallica bassist, and uh, yep, yep. and they were literally told you've got to load in your gear the set before, load out your gear the set after and leave. But in that time, they got to meet their like heroes, which is a band called Gojira. They got to meet Gua. They got to meet a few oh. other bands. And they were like, yeah, go. it was just amazing. We didn't get to yeah. go to catering or anything, but we still got to meet all of our heroes. Get to rub shoulders with the best, man. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's funny, and that's that's where I feel like sometimes the music industry might not realise how closely linked they are to professional wrestling. But it's it's not just like 
this is the thing. When you look at something like the WWE, they're an entertainment company that uses professional wrestling as their drive. Yeah. You know, they're an entertainment company. We're talking movies. We're talking TV shows, reality TV, music. And we're not just talking about one genre. We're talking, if you're a wrestling fan, you've probably been exposed to every kind of music possible, from so, rap to rock to you know, metal, everything. Yeah. I mean, one and, year um, they had Run DMC play at uh, yeah. WrestleMania. A year later, they had uh, Drowning Pool play at yeah, WrestleMania. Exactly. So, it, yeah. On. You know, and, and there's, there's an example. You know, I would never really been exposed to Drowning Pool. I wouldn't have thought, hey, let's go listen to this band Drowning Pool. No, let the body hit the floor was an anthem for WWE. Yeah, and ECW. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, man, it's uh, it, it, it's really cool, and and uh, I think if a lot of people out there sort of expand them, I actually saw a, a very good study, and I thought it was a good study anyway. They said a metal fan has more of a artistic ability than your average what's on top 40 list. Yeah, exactly. You know? it's They're a lot more artistic. The uh, the science behind it is there, uh, there's a lot more going on in heavy metal and the brain uh, center fires a lot more during a heavy metal song and stuff like that and it creates more brain activity. So when you're listening to heavy metal, you take everything in that's around you and it absorbs. Whereas when you're listening to pop, it only fires every like five seconds, if yeah. that and you don't absorb as much in. So that's why they say when you're studying for things like the HSC or if you've got to learn something for work or something like that, listen to either classical music or heavy metal music. Oh, I can, no, 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 I can definitely vouch for that, man. If, I, if I'm doing any work or study or anything like that, you know what goes on? Iron Maiden. Yeah. I, Iron Maiden, I've been smashing Iron Maiden's latest new album. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's exactly right. I'll, I'll sit there and I'll be, I'll be switched on. Yeah. It's incredible. We're actually going to have to wrap it up there and then, uh, we'll do another interview oh. and it will appear next week. I'm sorry about that, dude. We've been no, having no, such no. a great chat. We've lost track of all time. Good things, all good things must come to an end, but then there's always a sequel, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at Terminator. <laughs> yeah, a couple of sequels there. <laughs> but that's just not try and overdo it and do six more. Yeah, <laughs> fickle, fickle. Hey, before you do head off, though, the anniversary spectacular Saturday. November 14th. PCW Roadville, 1325 Stud Road, Roadville. For all the details, go to www.pcwentertainment.com. And you know what you're going to be seeing in the main event? It's tricky. This guy right here, this is tricky. This guy. He's going to be taking on three opponents in a gauntlet. We're taking on Nash Archer, Pope Philippe, and, hey, none other than the Nightmare, Chris Trio, who is the PCW State Champion. If I win, I get the state championship. If I lose, I'm done. Oh, wow. That's it. That's it. 30 oh. years old, man. This could be it. Oh, wow. And um, you could be getting you could be getting one of the, the last interviews as an active wrestler, man. Oh, I hope not. I hope not, because... I like what you're doing. But, uh, yeah, like I said, this has been Tricky on the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. He will be back next week for another interview, hopefully as an active wrestler still. Uh, hopefully. Well, if, 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 all, if all goes to plan, we'll hopefully do one before the 14th show, and then you can get the advertisement again so you can get another sell. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You see? Hey. Yeah. So I'll still be an active wrestler next time, I promise you. Uh, excellent. Fingers, fingers, fingers
fingers crossed I don't get my neck broken during the week of training. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm Tom Roberts. This is Tricky, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Please hang up and try again. So that was part one of my interview with Tricky from PCW Professional Championship Wrestling. He has a gauntlet match on November 14th. Uh, he caught that at the end. I actually cut my voice into the interview because uh, Tricky kept saying September 14th, but it's actually November 14th. And uh, yeah, and yeah, so that's pretty much what we have for the show. We've got uh, one more thing to talk about, but I might actually delay that until next week. Uh, yeah, next week is part two of the interview with Tricky. We have another song of the week next week. We have our, our band of the week next week. And we're going to talk about song covers because obviously the song of the week this week was a cover. We're going to talk about that cover. We're going to talk about other covers that other bands have done and whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. I'm going to call that segment Good, Bad, and Ugly. Uh, pretty much. Yeah, anyway. Um, so, last week's guest was Andy Marsh from They Art Is Murder. And he did give us a quote of the week for this week's show. And we are going to end on the quote of the week that he gave us. And the quote of the week is, Fear is born of hope, so if you're hopeless, you're fearless too.